The Bible Study Podcast, Episode 311. Today, the Bible Study Podcast does Part 2 in a series on marriage. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. I want to look at two different passages from the Bible today. We're going to look at two passages, both written by Paul. One is the one you think about for marriage, and one is the one he actually wrote about marriage. Let's start the one that we think about. If you were a Christian at the time you were married, it is quite likely that the verse or one of the verses you had read at your wedding was this, 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known." And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Now, there's a reason why that's read at weddings. It is a very favorite verse and one of the best verses in the Bible talking about love. But you may have gathered, since I read the whole thing, the whole chapter, that there's more going on in this chapter than talking about marriage. And in fact, this chapter is not trying to address marriage particularly. It's trying to address all our relationships and talking about love because it is set in between two different verses talking about the Corinthian churches fighting over gifts, the spiritual gifts. And that's why it starts with, if I speak in the tongues of men or in angels, but do not have love, I'm resounding gong or clanging cymbal. It's talking about gifts, or at least that's the context. But I do want to look at this because you had it read at your wedding if you used some of these verses for a particularly good reason. It is a good description of love. And it is something that should inform us when we talk about the marriage relationship. Because this isn't talking about the I feel so good for you Hollywood romantic kind of love. But it's talking about a this is a hard day. We both didn't get enough sleep. The baby was crying in the middle of the night. And right now, you don't look that attractive to me kind of love. This is a patient kind, does not keep a record of wrongs. Boy, I don't know about you in your marriage, but that's something that we could do a little better job at. Is not easily angered, is not self-seeking. I had a friend who said, if you want to find out how selfish you are, get married. He did not say that it would fix the problem. He just said that you'd have someone there to point out how selfish you were. Possibly, coincidentally, that friend is no longer married. But I think there's wisdom in what he said is when we find ourselves in a relationship, 
when we find ourselves in a marriage, which is an everyday forever kind of relationship, remember that is God's plan for it. We do find that we don't always want to do what somebody else wants to do. Sometimes we just really want to do our own way. I would rather some days just making myself happy. Not to say that there might be days that I'm entitled to that, but but this passage is talking about a love that is not self-seeking, that looks to the other person first and to their needs first, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. It is a good definition of love, and love should be the basis for a marriage. But this kind of love, right? The kind of love that's protecting and trusting and hoping and persevering, that, that's kind and is not keeping track of wrongs. So absolutely, if you're going to get married, read these verses and live this kind of love, and it's going to give you a better marriage. But when Paul actually wanted to write about marriage, he wrote this. And if those verses in Corinthians sound fairly romantic, we associate them with romance because they are about love. This section from 1 Corinthians 7, same book, sounds very unromantic. Now, for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, but since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife shall not have authority over her own body, but yield it to her husband in the same way. The husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has his own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. To the married I give this command, not I, but the Lord. A wife must not separate from her husband, but if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And a husband must not divorce his wife. And I'm going to stop there for now. There's another section of what I want to do later on talking about marriage to unbelievers, but I want to put that in a different context. Now tell me, am I wrong? Is that perhaps one of the least romantic things ever written about marriage? Paul's model here, and this is a good bachelor's model here, as we talked about last time, is that really it's better not to be married, but marriage is better than burning with passion. And so Paul is basically saying, I know you have sexual urges. Marriage is the way you deal with that. One of the reasons I want to talk about this verse is Paul is, in a very unromantic way, summarizing one of the things that the Bible talks about with marriage. The Bible reserves sexual relations for marriage. You know this and I know this, even if we don't obey it, even if we don't like it, it says that sex outside of marriage, before marriage, after marriage, with somebody else you're not married to, is sin, is missing the intention that God had. But I want to look at that in somewhat the same way that Paul does here, a little more analytically and a little less romantically. We can certainly read Song of Solomon, and I know there's at least one person who listens to the podcast who would love for me to examine that book in this study, and we'll talk about that perhaps. But this is talking about why does God put sexual relations in marriage? Paul, even in his perpetual bachelor self, understands that 
marriage and sexual relations have a relationship. And he understands that we have sexual desires. But he also understands that when that part of the reason that God gives us the institution of marriage is to protect those desires in a place where it is safe. And I'd like you to think about that a little bit. There are a number of issues that this society, this world, people that you know struggle with around sex and around marriage. So, for instance, so think about, for instance, the young girl who goes out, is probably too young to really raise kids, goes out, gets pregnant, and is abandoned by her sexual partner and raises a child by herself. That is, first of all, let's say raising a child by yourself is something that is likely to get you condemned by people in the church, and yet you have done a courageous act. You haven't aborted this child, and you've chosen to stick by this child. And I think we need to stick by those who do. But that's not the ideal situation for the girl or the child. The ideal situation, God intends for parenting to be a team sport. Because parenting can be very hard. And those of you who are parents know that. Those of you who are children, ask your parents if you don't know that. And so part of the protection in marriage is that I don't know if you've noticed, but sex causes babies. Not every time, but it certainly leads to that. And so when God said, within marriage, I am not saying, as although some denominations say that sex is only useful for procreation, that you should only take part in sex when trying to procreate. If that's what your denomination believes, I won't tell you to behave against that, but I don't see that in these verses. But what I do see is that, for instance, even though my wife and I have sex from time to time, I don't worry about sexually transmitted diseases. You are protected from them if you live in a relationship where you are monogamous, where you are not going around having sex with lots of different people. You are protected. And so we can see that if if everyone followed God's intention, some problems would go away. And it's my belief that is true with all sense, that basically God has an idea in mind when he comes up with what we interpret as rules. Sometimes these are just really good ideas. And one of them I would like to submit to you is this reservation of sex and marriage. Because it creates kids, because it protects your health, and also because it protects your heart. And you know people who have been hurt who gave too much of themselves too soon, as do I. And if we protect that with a commitment that is bound up in that love that Paul talks about in six chapters later that is not selfish, that it doesn't keep track of wrong, that always trusts, always protects, always hopes, always perseveres, then we can get an idea why God may have established marriage. That's all we're going to do this week for the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can also leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com or follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Hello. 
Hello, my name's Rachel Carmen, and I want to invite you to come over and listen to my podcast. It's called Real Refreshment. For years and years as a young mother, I chased after the wind, thinking that the world could offer me the refreshment I longed for. But it was only when I discovered it in the person of Jesus Christ that I really found refreshment. Come on over and join me as we dig into Bible study. I'll see you there.